Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Hello and welcome to Dwayne's World. Great to have your company wherever you might be listening around the planet. It's midday madness time. You call, you get on. That's the midday madness promise. And the number is one 736 736 If you haven't been with us before for midday madness, your calls for the next two hours, anything in the world of sport you'd like to discuss, we'll get you on for the next two hours. That's the promise. And the number is one three hundred seven three six seven three six, And it's brought to us by Werribee Kia. Werribee Kia awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia, where the customer comes first. You can send through your text as well on the 40 Winks Temper text 0433 98 11 16. Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Winks, serious about sleeping. You can check out the Temper T-E-M-P-U-R range at 40 Winks. But one three hundred seven three six seven three six. It's Talkback Radio. I'd rather have a chat to you, even though I'll read out a heap of your texts after the draft last night, or at least the first round of the draft last night. And uh, just been speaking to Jared Whateley, if you didn't hear. Look, is this the big shift moment when the national competition becomes truly national and half the kids drafted are from outside Victoria? 11 of the top 20 picks last night were from outside Victoria for the first round were from the Gold Coast. So is this the big shift that we needed for the competition nationally to grow? Because we couldn't have a situation where the majority of picks just kept coming from Victoria. There had to be a growth factor in New South Wales, a growth factor on the Gold Coast. All that money invested on the Gold Coast by the AFL has to pay a dividend somehow. And it probably started to pay a dividend last night. There is a fear factor from some Victorian fans and some Victorian teams that I've sort of sensed today. What if the big shift starts to work against Victoria? There won't be as much of a go-home factor if kids are playing for the Gold Coast who came from the Gold Coast, if kids continue playing for Sydney who were born and bred in Sydney as the Sydney Swans have started to grow with their academy the last couple of years. You kind of sensed it as well. Fox Footy put out a tweet last night that uh, it was an AFL draft floor. Gold Coast get four first-rounders for very little. Have the scales tipped a bit too far? The Suns, Suns have never played finals, remember? They've never even been a contender. They haven't won a flag yet. So, to me, when they've won two flags in a row and are favourites for a third, maybe give us a call then with the fact that the shift has been too far. But I think this is a shift that we kind of needed. And I think it's still a perfect world for Victorian fans as well as national fans. Remember, if you're a Victorian, you don't really want the Interstaters winning flags. Well, they don't win flags. They've won two flags in the last 17 years. Sydney in 2012, West Coast in 2018. So 15 of the last 17 flags have still been won by Victorian teams. The last five years, Collingwood, Geelong, Melbourne, Richmond, Richmond. Yeah, the non-Victorian teams are getting stronger, which we want but they still have to come to the MCG to win a flag. So this might actually be the perfect world. Your thoughts on the draft last night? one 736 736 Or is this a little bit of a shift moment you're worried about as a Victorian? Because the national competition may be about to become truly national. And maybe half the flags will soon start be being won by non-Victorian teams. Given at the moment, it's still only two of the last 17. David in Mernda, Spiros in Carnegie, Tim in Brighton. Andrew will get to you all. And that number again, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. A couple of texts that have come through. 
Uh, the draft just drags on and on and on. That's from Brett. Another one, has COVID lockdown cost Victoria a generation of players? And I heard that mentioned earlier today on STN with Jared as well. Maybe, maybe that's an issue as well that has caused this, but maybe it's just the big shift that the growth factor in Queensland and on the Gold Coast that we've been talking about, that we've been told about, is finally starting to pay a dividend. David in Mernda, we'll start with you. Welcome to you, David. Yeah, g'day, Dwayne. Good, good to be chatting with you. Look, um, I 100% agree. A lot of this has got to do with the COVID. Um, we can, as Victorians, that we've, we've already seen, we can bounce back from those things. So I think for the next couple of years, it's probably a good thing for the national comp that, you know, we are getting picks outside of, uh, you know, the heartland of football. And, um, you know, like there's, there's a lot of other picks there that Victorians had a choice to pick through, but they still opted to um, choose the interstaters there. Yeah, four from the Gold Coast and four from Tasmania. This, it's a perfect world when that happens, really. And that's the beauty of watching this as a... Well, I suppose I'm a South Australian born and bred, but I still love the national competition to grow and prosper. And they still have to win a flag at the MCG, the interstate team. So there's always got to be that advantage for Victorians. Spiros and Carnegie, are you there, Spiros? How are you, Dwayne? Welcome back. Good to be back. That's good. Um, Dwayne, look, this is about the draft, and not, not last night's, but um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, your opinion, Kane Corns was, um, it was about a month ago or so, and I never had a chance to get back to him. Uh, he said that Richmond should trade Lynch and Martin mid-season, and uh, I thought that was probably, look, I've got a respect for Kane, but I thought that was one of the, I don't know, I just thought that was a silly thing to say, in my opinion. Uh, well, Kane, Kane, Kane in Feb last year said that uh, give, the, give Geelong the flag now, um, after seeing them demolish Hawthorne at home in the pre-season game. Remember, Spiros, he does go early with a couple of calls and John didn't even make the final. So, um, yeah, he does go early with a couple of calls, but that's why we love him. But you wouldn't agree with that, that call, though, would you? Getting rid well, of explain, it, explain to me the context, the context because it uh, depends on the context of it. I mean, I don't think that Richmond should trade Martin either. And I don't think that... I think he needs to stay, and I like it when a when a player stays at the one club. But it depends on what the new coach is after. It depends on how much you get offered. I mean, if you get offered the farm to go elsewhere, you, you, you take the farm as well, Spiros. It depends on, on the context of it. I don't think he was... He, he just said that um, Lynch was... Um, uh, from my memory, I'm just trying to think now. I think he was saying, well, Lynch is coming off an injury and, um, you know, how yeah. he's going to be. Uh, and Martin, I think... He's saying, he, I think he, don't quote me on this because I don't remember that well. Um, yeah. So he'll, he'll play his 300 with Richmond, obviously, all being fit and well. And then he said that get something for them. But you're ripping the entire, I mean, we don't have a full forward now. Why, why would you even think of trading him? Um, and Dusty's playing. Well, but, it, but, it depends on, but it depends on the context of when the mid-season trade is on next year. So Kane's obviously talking about the mid-season trade next year. Uh, and where, where's Richmond at halfway through the year? Where are they at? How is Dustin Martin playing through the year? I mean, the, you, the context changes over time, Spiros. So it might not be as crazy a thought. Come halfway through next year, if there is a mid-season trade period and it's not working for the new coach or Dustin Martin. But at the moment, just in a, in a nutshell, no, I don't agree with it. I think staying is the way to go. But there's different ways of looking at a lot of stuff, Spiros. And... Uh, he's probably looking at it as an unemotional football watcher, thinking, well, you've got to do what's best for your club. And what's best for the club sometimes is keeping your champions, but sometimes is letting them go. Uh, let's face it, Hawthorne's let a few go. They let Sam Mitchell go. They let Jordan Lewis go. 
Uh, they let Lance Franklin go. So there are a number of clubs over time that have let them go. Not all of them, you know, like Geelong, have kept Joel Silwood and had the fairy tale finish with the Premiership in their last game. Um, we'll keep rifling through your calls. Thanks for your calls, Spiros. Great to have you back. We've got a full board, so I want to take as many of your calls as I can. Chris and Clive, welcome to you, Chris. Yeah, good day, Dwayne. Welcome back. Hey, one of good the things back. I think this identified last night was the pathway programs that these interstate clubs have now got and they've had for years. So I think a lot of the Melbourne uh, feeder systems or, or the pathway programs are now starting to come into vogue and they're really starting to focus and hone this in from a young age. But one of the kids drafted last night had been in a program since he was 10 years old. Yes, he, mm. I heard Mark McVeigh talk this morning. He's been on their radar and they're making informed decisions because they've got these young blokes into their programs, teaching them, training them, helping them on what it is that they're looking for. And they're getting them there sooner than we are hearing as Victorian clubs are doing. I mean, probably more to pick from down here, but they're not honing them in and pushing them through these programs as well as I can. I, I, it looks like they're doing in the northern states. And power to them, probably an unpopular view, but... They're getting fruit for their labour. They're investing heavily in these kids at a really young age, and that talent ID is clearly working for them is the way I see it coming out last night. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you, Chris. It's been happening for a while now. Uh, Errol Goulden's another example. There's a couple of Sydney Academy kids that have known John Longmire since the age of 12. So if you've met your coach and you know his system, you know his philosophy, then you've known him since the age of 12. Then by the time you get to play under him at the age of 18, 19... And that's the beauty of stability. You've got the same coach there. Then it works well for you. You don't want to go anywhere else. It's your club. It has been your club. It's in your blood. And you know the blood's system, for want of a better term, perhaps, with the Sydney Swans because you get to understand their way and their culture. So, no, I'm 100% with you, Chris. I think it's, the, it's perfect for the AFL what happened last night. And it's great that the academy systems are in. It still happens in Victoria with the father-son. The Dacos boys would have known... Collingwood's culture coming through and that's the advantage Victorian teams have had over time. I mean, how many flags have been won simply on the back of the 10% and 5% that the father-son has added? Certainly added to Geelong's ability to win three flags and it's probably added to Collingwood's. Without the Dacos boys and without Darcy Moore, would they have won the flag last year? You'd have to say no. Tim in Brighton, you there, Tim? Yeah, good day, Dwayne. Um, thanks for taking my call. We watched the... Um the whole draft last night. And uh, uh, look, just going back to your point about the, the Tassie players and, and the Gold Coast Academy players, I mean, all power to to, to the Gold Coast. And, and uh, some people might say that with uh, with what's happening with Damon Hardwick, there might be some, you know, he's been given some advantages up there. It doesn't matter. The Gold Coast has got to work. And in relation to Tassie, I, I, it'd be interesting to see with these young players who've been picked high up, whether or not they... You know they'll be targeted by uh, Tasmania in the years to come. But in relation to the to the because I know you were talking about it with Jared in relation to the um, the show last night. I, look, I I, I I sort of agree with both you and Jared. It, it sort of had some good things and some bad things. But one thing I really enjoyed was just seeing the and there were some surprises as well. But I love seeing the reaction of of some of these young 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 players. And and the most obvious one was. Um, Connor O'Sullivan, when when he was chatting with Selwood after being presented, you know, by with, with his jumper afterwards, and then his close mate Phoenix, Phoenix um, you know, got picked up by by yeah. GWS unexpectedly. I mean, that was just great to see. 
Yeah, it just depends on whether you don't mind the, the sort of pub-style bench seats of everyone sitting together and having a beer. And, yeah, that was fine. I didn't mind it. It's, I mean, that's the thing. How would other countries and other sports view the draft from Australia's biggest team sport, which is the AFL? You know, blokes just hanging with their mates, uh, you know, crosses to local clubs with kids poking their tongues out and pulling faces. It's a wild world, AFL club land. And it's a perfect snapshot of Australia, probably, and perfect snapshot of Australian rules. It's probably exactly as we are. Uh, and whether we need to change that or not, I'm not sure. But you know, I would probably like club reps to present jumpers, maybe not in hoodies and shirts hanging out, maybe. Um, but that's just me as well. Maybe the AFL wants it this style. It doesn't want it to be looking any classier than... It looked last night because last night was a true snapshot of Australian footy club culture, if you like. Thanks for your call, Tim. Great to have you on. Mike in Geelong, welcome to you, Mike. Uh, thanks, Dwayne. Good to hear your voice again. Um, I just want to touch on the length of the coverage last night. I actually really enjoyed it, but I just I noticed when we did Academy Kids and Father Sons, the clock would reset back to that five-minute mark for the the club to choose again and I just think they could have sharpened that up because I know full well they would have their next kid in line who they want to who they want to pick and I just feel like that was unnecessary time lost and they sort of lost a bit of the crowd at the same stage so I just want to get your thoughts on that too. I think they like to give the time just to give other clubs time to work out whether they'd like to bid for that pick so you know that is I mean we all knew that well, everyone probably knew that Harley Reid was going to be taken with pick one by the West Coast Eagles, but they waited. I'm not sure if they were waiting to see if there was going to be a late bid for pick one or not, something crazy come their way, but they could have walked up, you know, eight seconds after the whole thing started and said, yeah, we're taking Harley Reid, but they waited. So maybe that period of time is needed now that live trading of picks is allowed. Otherwise, um, you know, you could just do it one after the other after the other and make it a lot quicker. I agree with you on that, but you can't really have this kind of system where um, you're allowing other clubs to get their heads together and say, should we bid for that pick? Do we want this kid that badly that will trade up? And there were a couple of trade-ups last night, and Adelaide you know, did an exceptional work of bit of work of trading up. Grab into your calls and your texts for midday at Matters. You call, you get on, one 736 the open line number. Talking about, well, anything you'd like to talk about, but mainly last night's draft. Is this the big shift moment? I think it is a bit when the national competition becomes truly national and half the kids drafted are from outside Victoria with 11 of the top 20 picks from outside Victoria last night. Four of the first round are from the Gold Coast. Four were from Tasmania. Uh, this is the perfect world for the AFL to get evolution to this point where academies and local states are providing the local kids to the local team. Alan will come to you shortly. A couple of texts on the line that's, uh, that have come through as well. Uh, just on the style of the draft last night, jumpers should be handed over by current club captains. It would mean a lot more than past players from the 70s, 80s, who the draftee would have no idea who they are. Oh, look, I didn't. I liked it, having a few players do it last night. I liked the fact that Nick Natanui presented his number nine, Ben Cousins' number nine. It's a, it's a number with weight. At the West Coast Eagles, I liked it. I liked the fact that Michael Tuck was there presenting for Hawthorne. I mean, if, you, if you're going to be drafted to Hawthorne, you need to study up on a bit of history as well. You need to work out who their superstars and their, their, their all-time greats are. And you need to get yourself immersed 
in the club, and I think that's a good way of starting it as well. Even though club players would know a lot about the clubs now, the learning process should happen. Have North lost their identity wearing navy-like blues and cats? I'm not sure why they changed it up to navy last night, North, but I like looking at club representatives and I like looking at, at, at representatives of clubs and teams in games who, when you see their jumper, you instantly recognise who they are. I mean, some alternative strips are great, and but I'd, I'd still like you to be able to look at it and know exactly, yep, that's Essendon. Alan in Sydney, welcome to you, Alan. Welcome home. <laughs> great to be back home, Alan. Well, I did like it overseas. Uh, I've got to say, the Amalfi Coast is damn good and so Sicily. But anyway, uh, it's good to be home and talking footy, Alan. Yeah, and uh, Dwayne, we, we need to... Um, uh, the, the comp, I understand, is called the AFL, not the VFL any longer. And I was thinking with all of these uh, Victorians complaining... I think they're running a close second to the whinging Poms. <laughs> and they're whinging all the time. And you look at the poor old Gold Coast Suns. They lost Tom Lynch, Stephen May, Jager O'Meara, Dion Prestia, Josh Caddy, Charlie Dixon, Adam Saad. Do you want me to go on? No, no, you're right. And hope, hopefully that doesn't happen anymore, Alan, because it's impossible to to have success if the stars end up leaving. I mean, even even the money paid for Gary Ablett Jr. and he leaves as well. So there's a you could you could look at this and say this has been too long coming, but it's a it's perfect now. If the Gold Coast, and as I said in the intro, I mean they haven't won flags yet. They haven't even played in finals yet. So I'm not sure the fear factor in Victoria is warranted just yet. I mean the Giants have never won a flag. The Gold Coast had never won a flag. When they start winning two or three in a row, Alan, then we'll reset, just like the AFL ended up resetting, what, 20-something years ago when there was a, a run of interstate flags won. And, and, and then, of course, the advantage that a Victorian team might travel six times a year, whereas all of the interstate teams have to travel at least 11 times per year. You know, so all of the advantages are with the Victorians and and even the father-sons, you know, like the, the poor old swans. Um, Andrew uh, uh, Dunkley was uh, entitled to come to us, but his family had moved back to Victoria, so he wanted to stay at home. Uh, Joe Danaher, we were entitled to him. But he wanted. To, he was also entitled to play with Essendon, but he wanted to stay at home. And even the famous Nick Davis, he was back in Victoria with his family. Sure, he then came to Sydney later, but all all of the advantages certainly are weighted in um, for the Victorian teams. And uh, as mm. I say, I think they're. Uh, got the silver medal um, after the uh, whinging palms. Thanks for your call, Alan. Yeah, the, the father-son, look, James Borlase should be playing for Port Adelaide as well. He's playing for the Adelaide Crows. So there's a number of those situations where the father-son hasn't worked for the teams that have come into the competition as new. I mean, in some ways, Shannon Hearn probably, under the rules, should have played for Port Adelaide but ended up going to the West. So, yeah, the father-son hasn't 
been too kind to the interstate teams just yet, but maybe the shift is going to be back to the equilibrium that it should have been at five years ago. A couple of texts that have come through, seeing how Phil Davis presented compared to Lindsay Gilby was a stark difference. Gilby looked like he's just been dragged out of a local pub. Paul, yeah, I suppose that's the that's Aussie culture, isn't it? Just wearing the hoodie. But I don't mind a shirt and tie and a jacket every now and then from someone who wants to make a statement like that. And I think I like the way Phil was dressed, but maybe that's what the AFL wants. Maybe the AFL wants that that pub kind of local footy club image because that's a snapshot of Australian culture and footy culture, maybe. But keep your text coming through on that. A couple of others on it. Organic celebration is great. Um, and, uh, hey, Pipe, it's been a long time coming. For years, players from New South Wales and Queensland have had very little exposure and were relatively unseen by recruiters. Unless you played to a cup, went away to a private school or were an absolute gun, your chances of making the top level was a mile behind the established southern states. I'm stoked now. The kids have a pathway to the big time, Chris, in Batemans Bay. Uh, another one here, Phil Davis presented in a suit, class operator. Been a few of those come through. Dane, the bonus of these kids from the academies is that these talented athletes are not playing rugby league. James in Morty Alex, so it's a double whammy. Not only do the Swans and the Gold Coast, etc., get a local kid to play for them who are never going to leave or don't have a go-home factor to Victoria, they also steal one from rugby league. You're right. Uh, Tom Green and Kieran Briggs have been in the giant system since they were 12. Plenty more too. Paul, uh, good point, Paul, as well. Uh, and another one here, the kids jumping around brownie last night was cringy as it gets, especially one kid whose parents you'd hope would be embarrassed. Yeah, I didn't like that bit either, to be honest. But anyway, maybe I've got to move on and not be so upset by little things like that. Massive text coming through, so let me race through a few more of those. The Corns boys should have played for the Crows. Uh, another one here, 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 Alan, well said. But another one saying, stop sooking Sydney. Uh, hi, Dwayne, I couldn't agree more about a little more formality at the draft night. We haven't done it so well in the past, but last night was a wee bit too much casual, and we can do better. Cheers, Peter from Newcastle. I think I might be with you on that, Peter from Newcastle. I think the scales tipped a bit too much in the casual end uh, last night for my loving, but it was still a fun broadcast to watch, and I do like the unbridled emotion of it. Got a heap of stuff to give away as well today, by the way, for Midday Manor, so you call, you get on. We've got a heap of stuff like Signet Boost Power Banks, valued at forty four ninety five to give away. Signet Boost Power Banks will keep your phone, tablet, and earbuds powered 24-7. Some gift cards, thanks to the House of Golf as well, your one-stop shop for all things golf. Redeemable online or in-store, thanks to the House of Golf, and I'll talk more a little later on about the Bataki Hams we've got to give away. It simply wouldn't be Christmas without a Bataki Ham, so Plenty to give away to our callers today for Midday Madness. Andrew and Nidri, welcome to you, Andrew. Oh, thanks, thanks, Dwayne. Uh, Dwayne, um, it was a bit casual last night. It was like a pie night about the pies. But, um, but in relation to um, uh, um, the night, if only 5% of players get drafted who, who put themselves in the draft. Um, yeah, so that's not a lot. And also, uh, it's fantastic to see players from all over Australia getting picked up. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I'm listening to you, Andrew. You had Sorry. a go at me one day for cutting you off, so I don't want to cut yeah, you that's off. that's right. I did. I did. But I've waited, I've waited 28 minutes to get on, so, uh, but that's okay. Um, well, and you also, were on earlier today too, Andrew, though, weren't you? Yeah, yeah but that's, yeah, but I'm on your show. Uh, not, you know, no, no, so I'm not, but if I've got a full board of calls, you do tend to have yeah, to wait sometimes. So we did have yeah, a full board. I, 
I'm happy to have you on, Andrew, but um, uh, now you're having a go at me for not cutting you off. Oh, no, no. Well, yeah, well uh, it, it, I'm just trying to get my point across, and you can um, do what you like with my comments. Um, just in relation to Victoria, I, look, I just think the, uh, the, the, the private school system versus local league system needs to be looked at. Uh, the pool that, you know, I'm not having a crack at the private school systems because that's where most of the guys uh, these days go with um, with their, um, uh, you know, scholarships and, and good football um, um, uh, football academies. But I think where we're missing out in Retoria is that I think they've, that they don't look, the recruiters don't have the time or don't want to look at local leagues and local players. And I think they miss out in relation to that. Um, and I just think that um, it's great to see that um, Gold Coast has done really well, and, um, and, and nothing wrong with that either. I think it's a, it's great for the AFL. Uh, no, I think it's perfect and... for the Gold Coast. No, perfect, 100%. Andrew, I'm with you on the Gold Coast. Uh, it's about time. I'm glad it's happening, and uh, let's hope they start to get competitive in a hurry, and that includes next year. Uh, thanks for your call. Ash in Launceston. What can you, Ash? Yeah, good. Do I hear you man? Good. That's the way. I just wanted to um, sort of put a different spin on the whole, um, you know, people complaining about the casualness of the draft. I thought it was really really good to see the emotion from some of the players, Um, the young fellow that Hawthorne picked up, um, pretty emotional, that sort of stuff, which was great. I think people have got to remember that these kids are 18 years old, you know, they're not uh, media trained, they're not, you know, halfway through a professional career. Uh, I think people just need to settle down a bit. So do you, I mean, you're from Launceston, Ash. Do you see a world where Tassie provides, or four players in the first round last night, where Tassie can provide four or five players a year to your team? Yeah, I think so. Um, across the board, um, my daughter plays in the, in the female comp for Lauderdale. And um, you know, even through the women's football as well as the men's, there's such a, a big array of talent down there. Um, I don't see any reason why, um, you know, once Tazzy gets the team in the comp that they can't um, pick the guys from home. And, you know, if people choose to go to other clubs, you know, in Victoria to get big exposure, big games and that sort of stuff, fair enough. But I think, um, yeah, there's definitely enough talent in Tazzy for that. Yeah, it's interesting because well, Colby Bukercher is on the program after one o'clock. He was taking pick two by North Melbourne and he's from Tasmania. Now, do we get to a stage where Tasmania does get the pick of players or whether players get to nominate for the open draft? I presume Tasmanian players will want to play for Tasmania. But the, I noticed in Colby McCurch's interviews, and he probably said this because it was the right thing to say as well, but he can't wait to come and live in Victoria. So there is going to be that thought as well, maybe, that it's still going to be, you're still going to have to work hard to keep your players, even if they are homegrown players. Hey, great to have you call. Ash, got a House of Golf voucher for you. You can redeem that online or in-store. Thanks to the House of Golf, the House of Golf, your one-stop shop for all things golf. Straight back to your calls and your text for Midday Madness 1, 300-736-736, the open line number if you'd like to jump on. Tony and Q has done that. Welcome to you, Tony. Thanks for dialing. No problem. Um, regarding the draft last night, chap by the name of Nick Watson, Dwayne, picked up by Hawthorne. Um, <laughs> He's quite a, an interesting player from the viewpoint that he's an absolute dynamo, uh, amazing energy levels, competitive 
9 out of 10, 10 out of 10, a lot of tricks in his bag, but he is still a small player, which basically means he'll probably be able to only be able to play as a high up forward rather than a, uh, when I say high up, I'm talking about uh, near the goal square type forward, but he might be able yep. to get a bit further up the ground. I'd just be interested to know, Dwayne, um, in terms of your own opinion about that particular recruit, if you know much about him, and, and what do you ex- what are your expectations on Nick Watson uh, for Hawthorne in the years ahead? Well, let's be honest, Nick. I'm probably like everybody uh, that dials this, uh, the number to, to talk about the draft. I haven't watched a full game of any of these players. You know, I've watched a quarter here and a quarter there. I've seen highlights packages. I know Nick Watson is called the Wizard. I've seen his highlights package, and he does look like he is a wizard. I don't think – I think he can play midfield if he's small. I mean, um, you know, Liberatore, there's been a number of them over time that just because you're small doesn't mean you're locked into small forward. Tony, I think if you can get the ball, you can get the ball. I'm not sure where Cosie Pickett's going to end up, but he could evolve into a midfielder as well. So I certainly wouldn't rule Nick Watson out from having a midfield career, but it just depends on whether he's more a crummer or an in-and-under in player. I like the fact that he can jump and take his own marks and get his own ball. I don't necessarily think it, it's a great world to be in if you can only get a crumb. I think you, you have to have some craft to your outside of just crumbing, and if you can jump on someone's shoulders. You know, Tom Papley's an interesting example as well, Tony. He's only small. He's a great forward, but I still like him when he's in the midfield because he seems to get clearances, and I'm not sure Sydney expected that either when they they put him in the middle to be such a, a clearance professional. But if you can read a ball off hands in a marking contest, you can certainly read it off hands in a ruck contest too. No, they're all great points. And I guess, uh, like all these recruits, we'll soon find out in five years or so as to where it all lands. But um, I think one thing I will say about Nick Watson, I did see him play in the APS sort of grand final, Caulfield and Alibury. And he has the uh, one of the, the rare ability to really get under the opposition's skin. So um, mm. it's going to be very interesting to see how he brings that into the AFL scene and uh, where his career goes. I, I'm finding him in particular quite fascinating. Yeah, we did learn a bit about him last night with the interview with Ben Dixon as well. Uh, yeah, he doesn't mind letting players know. And I don't mind. I, I love players with personality, Tony. So if he's going to back himself in, that's a great thing. And it's nice to... Hear it from you as well. Hey, hold the line. We've got something for you. You've got a Signet Boost power bank valued at forty-four ninety-five. A Signet Boost power bank will keep your phone, tablet, and earbuds powered twenty-four-seven. You know what? Also, like about the fact that these there's a couple of kids with some confidence last night who embraced their nickname. We're probably going to get some nicknames returned to footy. Nick Watson, the Wizard. There was a player last night who called himself the Unicorn, um, and I think it might have been Ethan Reed who called himself the unicorn last night. You can't beat it when a player is actually letting the world know on draft night what his nickname is. Here's Ethan Reed last night talking to Ben Dixon using the unicorn word himself. And the nickname, uh, the unicorn, can you just elaborate on that? Um, yeah, I guess I can play in other positions. So, yeah, I guess that's why they called me the unicorn. I love it. I love that. That was on Fox Footy, of course. As part of the coverage, there's a few people come through talking about Ben Dixon's interview technique last night. Uh, Dicko does it differently, and uh, that's probably why I love him so much. Uh, a couple here. What's the rationale behind Sydney bidding on Croft? 
Is that to hurt the dogs in the future? Barking Bulldog. Well, you don't bid on a player unless you're prepared to take him. So Sydney were obviously prepared to take him. No one would dare bid on a player they're not prepared to take and wouldn't want. Um, one here, Dwayne, I know he's a Fox footy colleague of yours. Ben Dixon's post-draft interviews were cringeworthy. Uh, Dennis and Kularu, I actually liked it, uh, to be honest. It was a point of difference. And that, it kind of matched the tenor of the night. Now, if you want to put people in suits um, and have them sit down more formally, then you'll change the formalities and style of the interviews. But the interviews kind of match the, the club room style of the night. So it depends on what you want. Another one here, uh, Dwayne, on the style of the night. Couldn't agree more with that previous caller. What do, the, what do the kids want? I'm family friends with Connor O'Sullivan and work for his dad. And the fact he got to invite his closest friend that he'd grown up with for a special occasion before he leaves was fantastic to watch. The kids with Brownie jumping over the screen was a bit disrespectful, but otherwise the night was great. They're going to have enough formality going into these clubs. Let me enjoy a moment with people that have been through the ups and downs with them. So nice text on the back of that as well. Um, What happened to the days when they just bring mum and dad and maybe siblings, not 20 adolescent uh, well, I won't read the last part of that, but you can get the tenor of that text. Um, and uh, and Chris, great to have you back, by the way, Melbourne CBD, uh, and listen to the podcast every day. So uh, thanks for your text as well. And uh, for those that want the podcast, it's always there on the podcast uh, if you want to download the podcast at the end of the show. Always love your calls and your text from Midday Matters. You call, you get on. That's the Midday Matters promise. And the number is one three hundred seven three six seven three six. The open line number. Midday Matters for work locker carrying downs and packing them. We're unlocked, stocked and full of value. Workwear for wherever you work. Visit worklocker.com.au. Still got a heap of stuff to give away, including quite a few Bataki hams in the next hour. Also in the next hour, Colby McKercher is going to have a chat to us. So looking forward to having a chat to last night's number two pick, North Melbourne taking him number two. He's from Tasmania, so we'll have a chat to him after one o'clock. But your calls as well, well now and through one o'clock, all the way up until two. If you want to jump on the line, one three hundred seven three six seven three six that open line number, and we'll give away some Bataki hams. It simply wouldn't be Christmas without a Bataki ham. A couple of texts coming through. Uh, one here, look, uh, on the back of that caller for Nick Watson, the wizard. And I do love a good nickname. So if you've got a nickname from last night's draftees for the coming season, by all means, send it through on text or give us a call. So you've got Harley Reid. I noticed that Sammy Edmund was going with Chopper yesterday earlier on. I'm not sure Chopper will stick for Harley Reid, but if he does miss some targets with his kicking early on, maybe it will. Um, Although we do tend to default to the positive. They cut up rough at St Kilda when, when Higgins missed a heap of goals and commentator started calling him Missy Higgins. Uh, they didn't like that too much. And until he liked it and there was a complaint. So there's no Missy Higgins for Higgins missing goals anymore. But there are some names last night that might be able to have a nickname or two. Riley Sanders. Uh, I think my producer Mitch was thinking Colonel might be a nice nickname for him. No, Nate Caddy, Phoenix Gothard, James Leak. Got to be a nickname or two for him. Um, Colston Tholstrup. I love a good mnemonic for uh, for players as well as a commentator to remember. So Colton, 45, would be handy if he wore number 45 on his back. That would help me, but uh, probably isn't significant for anybody else. I love a good mnemonic. Uh, ben Cunnington's another one. Ben 10 was pretty popular 
uh, for a long, long time. And having Ben wear number 10 was a helpful one for me when he first started playing. So if you've got a nickname or two, send it through. 0433981116 on that. 40 Wings Temper Text. Get you a new Nick bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Wings Serious About Sleep. Or give us a call. 1300 uh, Look at, at this way. If Nick Watson's good enough to be picked at five despite being small and no guarantee of a midfield spot, then how good is the kid in front of the big sticks? Louis, another one here. Hey, Dwayne. Nick Watson uh, was at Roval Sports Academy from year 7 to 10 with my son, and he played either mid or forward, where he would absolutely dominate one game. He kicked 12 goals. We always knew he would play AFL, even from year 7. Well done, Nick. And also Caleb Windsor who was picked seven, another Roeville Sports Academy product. I like that as well. Uh, plenty of love coming through for, for uh, Watson. Hey, Lindsay in Somerville, I know you're on the line. I might get you to hold across the news rather than squeeze you up with a 30-second call. So we'll get you on after the break. Colby McKercher after the break as we return to Midday Banners on that Werribee Kia open line. A couple of funny texts coming through on nicknames, some that I can't read. So apologies for those that have sent through texts, taking the time to send through texts. Uh, the sum I can't read. Uh, that's just the way it goes. Always great to have your company for Dwayne's World. Love Midday Madness. Love having a chat to you. And Lindsay in Somerville, Mark in Corion will get to you. Keep your texts coming through on nicknames as well. One here, the Bulldogs website has an article on Riley Sanders with the title, The Colonel Has Arrived. So there you go. There's a nickname already for Riley Sanders. It's The Colonel. Keep them coming through. If you've got a nickname option, I mentioned my mnemonics that I like, as is Colton Tholstrup, if he ends up wearing number 45, it'd help. Colton, 45. There's a few in the AFL that are great, that I enjoy. One here that's been nominated on the text as well that I do know about. Eddie Ford at North Melbourne wears number 40 to match his nickname, 40. Michael in Ashburton, and it is an easier one to remember as well. G'day, Dwayne. Saw someone on social media refer to Harry Dematia as Hazmat. Uh, got a nice ring to it. Have a good day, Roy from Tullamarine. Uh, keep them coming through. Uh, Harry Dimitia, uh was the 13th man for the Australian cricket team, so maybe Waterboy is an option for him. Uh, Harley, Brucey Reed, certainly better than Chopper. Thanks for that, Steve, from Botanic Ridge. Lindsay in Somerville, welcome to you, Lindsay. Thanks, Dwayne. Um, look, well, it's great to see all these academy picks. The, the point system is just an arbitrary thing dreamed up by the AFL, and it's totally out of kilter. You have a look at the Gold Coast were able to get four top picks, you know, including top three, with with a collection of shrapnel, and yet someone like poor old West Coast have to give up number one pick for one player. Now you have a look at the picks that Gold Coast gave up to get those four elite players, and it was rubbish. And and the point system is just arbitrary; it doesn't mean a thing. The AFL just dreamed it up. They need to re-examine it. You can't be getting all those picks and and give up virtually zilch. It's just crazy. Well, the problem is you can't change it now that the Gold Coast have taken advantage of it, given that the father-son rule uses the same point system. Lindsay and Collingwood got the Dacos boys the same way. Yeah, but, I mean, do you continue on forever with the system? I mean, I'm a Brisbane supporter, so we've benefited yeah. from it, but it's, it's ridiculous. You have a look at well, it. Do you change you know, it off pick... the back of the Gold Coast taking advantage of it uh, now? Just because the non-Victorian teams have all of a sudden seen it used against them. Look, I just think it's wrong. And so it doesn't matter when you change yeah. it. It's just wrong. A 61 and a, a 47 doesn't equal a, a 10. I'm sorry. It just doesn't. No, I, and it, I'm actually agreeing with you on that, Lindsay. I think it probably could be a little tighter. 
So, no, I'm with you. Hold the line. We've got something for you. You've got a Pataki ham, the first of a few we've got to give away. Uh, enjoy your Christmas, Lindsay. Great to have you on. I do agree with you. And I don't think you can change it now. The Gold Coast have all of a sudden taken advantage of it. But it's actually been something that's been on my mind for a while. That's why I was glad you called about it. Um, hold the line, Pataki ham. It simply wouldn't be Christmas without a Pataki ham. Mark in Corriong before Colby McKercher joins us. Welcome to you, Mark. Hi, Dwayne. Yeah, good to have you on. Yeah, mate, good to talk to you. I uh, can't blame the kid for being called the unicorn when the Sabre K's been given to him, but um, just ask Joey and Matanya, how many unicorns were in the uh, draft last night? I counted about six from him. And if, you're a uni- if you've got six unicorns, I don't think it's all that special anymore, Dwayne. That's true. They're going to have to come up with something other than unicorn is unique because, let's face it, Luke Jackson's a unicorn as well. Uh, we're getting too many of them, Mark. They're, they're springing up like like uh, like sparrows. I think it's depreciating the value of the unicorn. <laughs> Good on you, Mark. Hey, give us a call if you see one. Um, you've got a family pass to the WBBL Melbourne Stars game on Saturday, November 25, against the Renegades at the MCG as part of the WBBL Stadium Series. Great to have your call. Um, quite a few coming through saying Nate Caddy should be the shack. Um, Colby McCurch has been good enough to join me. Not sure if he's got a nickname. Colby, welcome to the program. Great to have you on, and congratulations, firstly. Cheers, Dwayne. Yeah, good to have you. Good to have me. It's, uh, it's great to have you on, and it's... Well, did you know you were picked two last night? You were taken by North Melbourne. When did you kind of get an inkling, or did they make you wait? Yeah, they made me wait. I probably only really realised when the cameras started creeping up to me 30 seconds before the um, pick was taken. So that was a good um, inkling to I might be going. Did you meet a few of the clubs? How many of the clubs met with you? There were a few that didn't have a pick in the top 15, so it was almost a waste of time them chatting to you, given you were always going to go fairly early. Yeah, it was it was interesting. During the whole year, I probably spoke to nearly every club um, during like camps and the combine and a couple of home visits as well. So towards the end of the year, probably filtered out to more of the clubs in my draft range, and um, that gave me a bit of an idea where I might end up. Do you know not what number you're going to get? Brent Harvey presented your jumper to you last night. Have you got a thought on what number you might have? Yeah, that was awesome, Boomer presenting my jumper. Um, I'm not sure about numbers yet. Haven't really um, spoken to anyone about it, so I'll have to wait and see. What have they got available? Sorry, I didn't catch that one. What have they got available? Do you know what they do have available? Uh, yeah, I think, I think 7, 10, 22, I think some of the boys are saying. So, um, yeah, any of those would be awesome. I don't really care too much. You're a bit of a footy head as well. You mentioned Boomer Harvey presenting your jumper. You, you are a big watcher of footy, aren't you? Yeah, probably not so much this year. Um, I've been quite busy with travel. But, yeah, over the last five years, I don't know how much football I've watched, but yeah, it'd be a lot. I just enjoy it so much. And, um, yeah, I'm really keen to get into the system myself. And a student of the game, I think there was an article last year on you watching seven games a week at times. So yeah. you're a big learner of what you've seen? Yeah, it's more just probably um, watching more players that are probably similar to me and trying to emulate some of the things they do. And, um, yeah, just a little bit of inspiration from some of the top players in the AFL. Well, let's talk about what you do. You're a high-possession midfielder. You're a clearance guy, but you also love to kick a goal. Um, tell me about you rather than me put words in your mouth. 
Yeah, I think um, my speed and ball use is probably two strengths of my game. And yeah, as you said, I like to kick goals as well. So probably more um, like a damaging type midfielder that, um, yeah, loves to hit the scoreboard and create scores for the team. Inside and outside, or do you like to, to finish more? Um, no, nah, I, I like to do a bit of it all. Um, yeah, a bit of stoppage stuff as well has been something that I worked a lot on a lot um, over the last two years, and I felt like I'm at a really good spot with that side of my game at the moment. So I feel like I have a good blend of an inside-outside midfielder. Did Alistair Clarkson tell you at all where he might use you in the lead-up? Uh, was that even mentioned in your chats with North Melbourne? Because they are, they're stacking their midfield now. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure about positions. Um, maybe that's the conversation we can have later on. But, yeah, I'm really get, uh, keen to get to know Clarko. And, um, yeah, we'll see where we end up. You sounded pretty excited about having Clarko as your coach last night. Yeah, I'm, he was a really good fella. Like, he was just really excited last night. And, um, yeah, it's just nice to have a good chat to him. And, um, yeah, he's getting around all my family as well. And they're all really excited. Speaking of family, are they going to move over? You're from Tasmania. Nah, I think um, they'll stay home and, um, yeah, let me, um, you know, uh, move in with a host family or something. So, um, yeah, I'm sure I'll visit them back and forth a lot during the year, but I'm super excited to start a new chapter in my life. I did read that you were really keen to, well, not leave Tasmania specifically. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but come and live in Melbourne, to come and get to Melbourne eventually and 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 play footy in Melbourne? Yeah, it's always been a dream of mine to play AFL footy. And, um, yeah, with that, um, being a Tasmanian, was, um, all, you always have to move. So um, I've been, uh, I guess, okay with the fact that I have to move. And I have some family over in Melbourne here. So, um, yeah, I couldn't be any happier with the result, to be honest. And, yeah, I'm just super excited to um, see where everything takes me. And the great clubs keep players. doesn't matter where you're from. I'm a South Australian, still live in Victoria. I never went home, even though there's always that talk about, well, you'll always have the go-home talk. But I presume, you know, things work in a perfect world. You're North Melbourne forever. Exactly. I, I get a lot of it. I just got drafted today, and someone already asked me if I was um, looking forward to going home and playing for Tassie. Um, I'm like, seriously, like, I just got drafted to a club. And honestly, um, ideally, I'd be at North Melbourne forever. So... Um, yeah, I'd really be happy if people squash that and just, um, yeah, let me enjoy um, a new start to my life and, um, yeah, being in a new state. I think it's going to keep coming your way. I think that's just what's going to happen as a narrative with Tasmania. You don't ever have to weigh into it. In fact, your answer there is perfect. You can keep, keep throwing that out because it will start to get tiresome after a while when people keep asking it and get the same answer back. But it's a... It's interesting because I think Victoria as the heartland of footy is something that everybody does want to experience once in their life. Well, maybe not everybody, but it is going to be an interesting one for you to experience what it's like to be in Victoria in the heart of footy. Yeah, I'm super keen. Like um, Right now, I'm just yeah extremely overwhelmed with everything that's gone in the last few days. And um, yeah, it's very busy over here compared to back home. Um, yeah, I've had a great up- upbringing back home in Tasmania, but as I said before, I'm just really excited to get some new opportunities over here and, um, yeah, looking forward to starting a new kind of life here. How many of the guys at North do you know? Do you know some of the young kids? You'd know Sheezel, Wardlaw, you'd know a few of those. You've met a few of them? Yeah, I met them a few days ago. So, yeah, probably only a handful at the moment. Um, they're really nice guys and I'm keen to meet all the boys as well later on in the week.
and the, the Tassie representation overall. Four of you guys picked last night. It, what's the growth factor like? What's the, what's the buzz like with kids playing footy in Tassie at the moment? Because we've been a bit worried about it in the last decade. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm super proud of the boys that got picked up um, last night and hopefully have a few more to come over the next two days. But, um, yeah, just super proud of all the boys. And, yeah, there is a bit of a buzz going on in Tassie at the moment. And I, I hope all the young kids um, watching back home are um, somewhat inspired and, um, I guess, feel as if it's a real um, dream and it can happen for um, Tasmanians back home. So, um, yeah, it'll be really good to see um, more get drafted in the future. And, yeah, I'm super happy for um, all the other boys. Do you think it's worked in – well, you'll never play for them, but do you think the new team's going to work? Yeah, I don't see why not. Like, um, yeah, I guess it's just like every other team, like uh, the GWS and the Gold Coast of the world that came into the competition 10 years ago. I think, um, obviously, it's going to be um, something new and a difficult start. But, um, yeah, they'll be, they'll be fine. And I can't wait to watch how uh, the progress goes. When's your first session, Colby? When do you start? I think I had over Friday. I'm not sure, I'm not sure um, if I'm getting a session or not, but I really hope so. And you're ready to go? I mean, have you had much of an off-season at all? Or are you just so excited about being part of it, you can't wait to get the boots on and get going? Yeah, I think I'm in a pretty good spot right now in terms of um, my, my physical um, fitness right now. So, yeah, I think I'm ready to go. And, I, yeah, as I said, I just can't wait to pull the boots on and get started with all the boys. Hopefully this is the first of many times we have a chat to you. Colby, have you got a nickname at all that I can go with when I call you round one? Uh, I don't really have much, just really Colbs or Colb, but yeah, that's all I've got for you. All right, if you come up with something else, give us a call in the meantime. The boys will probably come up with something for you, won't they? <laughs> yeah, I reckon. <laughs> Colby, great to have a ch- Colbs, great to have a chat to you. Uh, let's <laughs> hope North Melbourne's on the way up the ladder big time and uh, you're part of a, a pretty quick, successful future for them. Great to have a chat to you. You sound like a ripper. Oh, cheers, Ryan. Appreciate it. Colby McKercher joining us from North Melbourne. They're picked two in last night's draft. And as you heard, he's staying at North for his life. He's not going anywhere. Sam in Thomastown. Welcome to you, Sam. Yeah, good afternoon, Dwayne. Great to have you on. Got a, yeah, got a few nicknames for you, like Nick Watson's being called the Wizard and Harry Dimatia is the Joker because in Italian, Zamata is the Joker in playing cards. Nice, Sam. That's what I wanted. A little bit of lateral thinking. I appreciate your call. Hold the line. We've got something for you. You've got 18 holes of golf for you and a mate with a cart. Get 18 holes of golf for two with drinks and a cart midweek for just $99 at Club Mandalay. So visit clubmandalay.com.au. A little bit of lateral thinking, Sam. I enjoyed it. Thanks for that. A couple more coming through. I won here on who's – there was a caller earlier on um, talking about the draft and how much – the Gold Coast had to pay for their four picks. And that's what we're talking about here. The text here, hang on, who's complaining? Not one person has said this is unfair for Victorian clubs. Stupid topic because it's irrelevant. Nick, well, that was a caller earlier on saying that the Gold Coast didn't have to pay much for their four first rounders. And Fox Footy did tweet it out last night. So they put it on the agenda last night as well, uh, that it was an AFL draft floor. Gold Coast get four first rounders for very little. And my understanding is Damien Harbick responded to it as well, the coach of the Gold Coast. And there was a call or two earlier on today 
talking about the fact that it's been unfair. In fact, one caller earlier today on breakfast wanted to return to the VFL. So there has been a few complaints about it, but, uh, yep, it's great to have your text as well. Uh, one here, Gold Coast finally have a real coach. Uh, that's a bit harsh. Rocket Ede was a damn good coach, and they did try at least with Guy McKenna being a first-time coach, and, and it didn't quite work for them, but I get where you're coming from. Uh, I want to hear Nick the Wizard Watson is going to be my favourite non-Bulldog player. He is box office. Certainly will be able to pinch hit in the centre square contest with his fast feet, but not on a full-time basis. That's from J-Dog, uh, from Joe as well. George in Narry Warren South wants to talk about the Gold Coast as well. George, before we take a break, you there, George? Yes, mate. I'm just... Uh, I think everyone's... Don't, don't the um, teams that have these special selections get a 20% discount? I think that's the real problem in their value points-wise. So you think the discount, they should have to pay more, George? And that's the essence of it. Should it be changed, though, because the AFL have come up with a system, they've made it up, should they have to pay more? Well, they they should just pay what what they're worth and not get a special discount. They're, They're lucky that they get these kids, so just make them pay full freight. Yeah, I'm all for the Gold Coast getting as many local kids as possible playing for them. But this is going to be an issue when Tassie comes in as well. I mean, the last thing you want is the Gold Coast not, in the end, having access to a Gold Coast kid. And, you know, let's get worried about it when the Gold Coast have won two flags in a row and are favourites for their third. But this is a team that has never played finals, never really been in contention to play finals, you know, in, in the last couple of rounds of a season. So, you know, let's face it. They need some help, the Gold Coast. I'm glad they're getting help. And I'm not too worried just yet. We'll get worried when they've won two of flags in a row and everyone's starting to say, well, hang on, when was the last time a Victorian team won a flag? Just to remind everyone, Victorian teams have won 15 of the last 17 flags, including the last five in a row. Collingwood, Geelong, Melbourne, Richmond, Richmond. And half the teams in the comp, of course, are from outside Victoria. So it's not even at the moment. We'll take a break. Back to your calls next. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. the open line number. Quite a few coming through on how much they loved hearing from Colby McKercher, and he joined us thanks to Tire Power. Holiday getaway sale is on now. Get up to $200 off on the Michelin Pilot Sport range at Tire Power. Straight back to your calls and your texts. Bill in Queensland, welcome to you, Bill. Hey, Dwayne, how are you, mate? Good. Um, just a couple of quick points. The academy's up here. I've got a boy in the academy up here. The reason they're so important is that the NRL come with money for these kids and they pay them to sign up to, a, to an agreement with the NRL. It's a real, real challenge up here, but footy is growing. And I can tell you now, in 2025 draft, most of the Victorians are going to be going nuts because there's six boys that were in the All-Australian Under-16 team this year, all from Queensland Academy. So it's coming, it's growing, and it's growing the game up here, and it's fantastic. And Gold Coast gave up earlier picks to get those later picks to accumulate the points. So they actually, the price they pay is six years of development in those kids. They've put Bill, plenty of money into footy up here. I'm glad to have you called, Bill, and I'm 100% with you. And Again, don't want to go over old ground, but the Gold Coast have never played finals. So let's face it, it's not like we're talking about a team that's won the last two flags here. We want the Gold Coast to be competitive, and if they end up winning a flag through this little period where they've got a lot of academy kids coming through, then fantastic. They've won a flag and they've won it with local kids. We can't ever have a, have a time come, Bill, when a local Queensland kid doesn't play for the Gold Coast, can we? If they've come through their academy? Or the Brisbane Lions, it'd be fantastic. 
you know, that these kids get developed for, for six years. My son's been in since he was 12. Yeah. You know, so coming into his fifth year of development with these great coaches. You know, got guys like Grant Birchall and Mitch Hahn working with him. And the development of their footy is unbelievable. So let me ask you this question, Bill, because this is in my mind, and it might not be a truth, but I think it is a truth, and that is if local kids are playing for the Gold Coast, then local families and local clubs are going to want to go and see those local kids because that's what you want to go and see. So the crowds will build, and if you're winning games, the crowds will build as well, Bill. So the thing that we've been worried about with the Gold Coast is having no fan base and empty stadiums will be a thing of the past as well. Well, I'm hoping so. I mean, it's definitely worked for the Lions. You've got, you know, Harris Andrews came through the Lions Academy. You know, there's, there's, there's so much growth in footy. So I've been up here. I'm, I'm ex-Victorian, Dwayne. I've been up here six years now. And, and footy's grown in participation by about three or 400% in that time, junior footy. So it's growing the game up here is what they're doing, and it's fantastic. So how is your kid in uh, your son in next year's draft? No, the year 2025, mate. He made all Australian in under 16s this year, um, and then he'll, he's he'll be heading for the 2025. As long as obviously he performs and keeps it going, he's doing well. Um, but there's some great kids. I mean, the Suns had six of those eight in the all Australian team in the under 16s. So there's, mm. there's, people are going to get ready for 2025 draft. You might be fielding a few more calls today. So you, you're suggesting that the Victorian fans should be a little worried. No, they shouldn't be worried at all because the, the growth in the game is unbelievable and mm. they just sort of get out of their own heads. Like, the, the, the growth in the game and the women's game up here is incredible. Um, you know, we, our club, our kids play at Shield Footy Club. They can't get enough grounds to train on because they've got so many kids. And it's, that's a great thing. It's a, it's a great thing for footy. Mm. It's expanding and it's biting into the rugby market heaps up here and it's, it's, a, it's really, really good. So my last question to you, Bill, would your son have played a different sport like rugby league if there wasn't an academy for the AFL team that is local? Probably not, Dwayne. He started his footy at Wyndham Vale in under nine, so he loves his footy. So okay. he, would have, he would have played footy. Um, he played senior quaffle footy this year for a game, which was fantastic. So, you know, he's a, he's a footy nut and so, so is my whole family because I grew up down there as well. But you know what? There's lots of kids that would that go to rugby. Most of the schools have rugby programs. That Palm Beach Corumban school has a fantastic AFL program. They won all of the junior Queensland state football competitions in all age groups. So it's, it's great for the game. Bill, great to have you call. I really appreciate you asking, ask, answering a few of my questions to you. I'm glad you took the time to dial the number. We've got a Dwayneswood T-shirt or a House of Golf voucher or something headed your way. Hold the line and uh, have a chat to my producer and we might even send you up both. Mark in Tarnie, you there, Mark? Yeah, g'day, Dwayne. Um, nice to follow up from Bill's call. Um, I, I'm sort of feeling like there's a little too much anti-Gold uh, Coast sentiment. Um, you know, I'm a, big, I'm a Geelong supporter. How, how well have we done out of father-sons? And, like, Gold Coast can't get any father-sons. You know, there's got to be some compensation for all that. And it was great to hear Bill's call. And I, I think we're in the AFL era and uh, we Victorians have got to get used to it. And, and it's great to hear that kids are playing AFL instead of rugby league up there. I think that's an awesome thing. And so I'm all for all this and I think it's, I think it's great. And it's up to us, you know, our clubs down here to, to make it work. And obviously we are. But, um, but yeah, the anti-sentiment over that is, uh, is really tiring. You know, let's not around opening round. 
let's have those four games. Fantastic idea. Great idea, AFL. Um, I'm all for it. Ripper, great to have you called, Mark, um, and I really appreciate you joining us at the Beauty of Midday Madness. Uh, you call, you get on, and uh, there is an opportunity for those in the know, inside clubs, with kids at academies, etc., uh, to give us a call and set the record straight. Tell us the real world as opposed to us guessing, and that's the beauty of it. Um, Midday Madness, by the way, for Work Locker, Karen Downs and Packingham, Unlock Stock, and Full of Value, Workwear for wherever you work. Visit worklocker.com.au. Back to your calls. And your text, speaking of text, one here on the previous interview with Colby McKercher. Uh, nice interview, Dwayne. Love it when young fellas address you by name. Colby sounds like a good one, Phil, in Abbotsford. Yeah, it, it's that little 1%. Or maybe it's Hutto's uh, media school. I'm not sure he's done it yet, but I'm sure Hutto teaches them at media school to use the names. But it sounds like uh, from the interviews last night, a lot of these kids haven't been to the media school just yet. So maybe they're more fun without it. Um, but they'll get that, I think, taken to them in the next couple of months, the media school situation where they'll know what to say and what not to say, but it was pretty unbridled last night and it was fun. Been a lot of text come through today about the passing of Ted Hopkins. Uh, Jared Waitley had a chat about it earlier today. Tony DeBolfo, Carlton historian, has also been good enough to join me, one of the legends of the game and his 1970 grand final Stuff of footy folklore. A lot of people listening to this show would have heard the name Ted Hopkins but might not necessarily know the story. Let's talk to a man who knows the story deeply. Tony, great to have you on the program. Thanks for joining me. Lovely to hear your voice, Dwayne. Thanks very much. Yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those stories that does need to be told and will get told forever. Absolutely, Dwayne. And, and to think, you know, that the, 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 the coach that masterminded the Hopkins uh, move, Ron Barassi, also died recently, no longer with us. And, and now, of course, uh, the game has lost perhaps its most famous bench warmer, uh, uh, Dwayne. Uh, Ted Hopkins came off the bench in the th- uh, just uh, before the first bounce in the third quarter of the 1970 grand final. Carlton, 44 points behind its arch foe, Collingwood and effectively was the catalyst behind uh, the greatest comeback uh, in grand final history. Um, kicked the first two goals of the third quarter in a in a period where I think the Blues banged on something like seven goals in 10 minutes to effectively turn the game on its, on its ear. And, uh, of course, uh, what people forget is that particular game was Ted's 28th and penultimate game of league football. He fronted up for the opening game of 1971 against North Melbourne at Arden Street. And then basically walked away from the game, um, uh, Dwayne, I, I think in his 21st year. So um, a big decision to make, but maybe he'd achieved it all by then in football. It is an amazing story. So not a regular 18 player comes on, has that kind of impact. Why, why did he give it away so early, Tony? There's talk that he you know, went holidaying or skiing. I'm not sure what the real story is. Well, yes, Dwayne, he was a man of many parts. He was, uh, before his football career, he was actually a national water skiing champion. But he also, at at the age of 21, as I said, decided to walk away from football to embark on a... uh, on a career as a um, as a park ranger at Falls Creek, um, a, a completely different environment to the one he'd experienced as a league footballer. But I, I turned up an interesting uh, article that a gentleman named Peter Foot uh, posted on on the social networks, uh, where, where he was interviewed by Michelle Grattan at the age of 1971, and he was actually asked that question, um, and he said, 
A drawback of being a football hero is that people tend to think of you in terms of football rather than for your personality. Um, he said, you're a, you, you, you're a footballer and you're not a person. And he said, that's because football so dominates Victorian culture. So he was a, a man who thought about his place in the world. And, uh, you know, to, to give up the game at 21, you know, obviously requires a fair degree of conviction. But in, in walking away from the game, he, he opened the door to so many other um, uh, opportunities in his life. He was, a, you know, a, a, I think a qualified economist. Um, he was a conservationist. Um, he was a poet, uh, an author, a publisher. And, of course, he was uh, probably remembered more recently as the founder of Champion Data, uh, which, uh, you know, the statistical arm of the AFL that's just now a given in the game. So he achieved so much in in his 74 years, Dwayne, that's for sure. So when did he know that the analytics was good? How how did he think that analytics was going to be something in the world sport, let alone AFL, that we'd all try to chew over and it was the new thing? It's a really good question, Dwayne. I, I don't fully know the answer, but I know that, it, that, it, that he came around in that regard uh, towards the end of Ray Young's time as statistician in the game. Uh, and I, I think he probably felt he could advance the game further. I, I, I think before Ted Hopkins came along, no one had heard of loose ball gets or clangers yes. or anything like that. So I think I think he just, just thought that he could take the statistical, you know, analytical side of the game a little bit bit further and um, uh, I know part of it probably had to do with a, a conversation he had with some of his old teammates about um, the, you know, the second half uh, propensity to handball that was you know so much considered mm. the feature of the 1970 grand final but um, I think Ted in, in analysing that game determined that uh, that it wasn't so much handball that, that changed the course of the game it was just Barassi's um, propensity to get the players to play on at all costs whatever it took whether by hand or foot but um, but I, I always think he, he had a deep interest in the game and he thought a lot about the game, even if he felt that, you know, he didn't, he didn't really need the adulation that went with it. Yeah, I'm not sure that it's been for everybody's thinking. Uh, a good thing to have so much analytics, Tony, but it's certainly, I think, been a good thing. And it's great to have you on. How, how are your Blues going, by the way? Are they going to be all right this year? Is this the year? Coming up? Uh, well, look, we, 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 uh, I'm certainly optimistic about the team's chances, Dwayne. Um, it was such an exciting finish to the season. It's been a long time coming. You know, for so many years, I'd get home and my kids would say to me, who did we lose to today, Dad? Uh, so it's lovely to see the team, you know, come back hard. And I know the boys are hungry. Um, so it's going to be an exciting year, that's for sure. You loving the game as much as ever? Absolutely, Dwayne. There's no other game in town, is there? <laughs> it's evolved a bit while you, you've been watching it, Tony. It's changed a bit. It has. Uh, but, you know, for the better uh, in some part, not so in others. Um, uh, it gets harder to hold a conversation in the outer with a person next year uh, between goals these days, Dwayne. But being a traditionalist, you know, I'm perhaps a little bit uh, reluctant to embrace changes some others might. But uh, no, what a great game it is. I like it. Less music between goals and uh, maybe turn the, the audio down of the ground announcer. I'm with you on that. I think plenty of people would be with you on that. But um, the, the, the growth of the game has been phenomenal, hasn't it? It has indeed. It, look, it's still a great game to watch and, um, and it's exciting. And um, to see the, you know, the, the rebirth of the Blues, I, I, I've been sporting life, like a lot of card supporters, my vintage. I've seen successes along the way. But as I tell people... The next premiership, when it comes along, will be the greatest of them all because it would have been the hardest earned.
That's mm. for sure. Yeah, nice call. Hey, great to hear your voice, Tony. Um, we'll catch up with the footy sometime, but I appreciate you jumping on to tell us a little more about Ted Hoppins, who has passed a away. Real, a real pleasure, Dwayne. Many thanks. Tony DeBolfo, Carlton historian, long-time journo, one of those that uh, was part of a, a regime of journos back in those days who gave me a start, and uh, you've got to start somewhere, and you've got to remember those who helped you on the way up. Tony DeBolfo, one of those, Carlton historian after the passing of Ted Hopkins, the legend from the 1970 Grand Final. Grab back to your calls and your text for midday, Mattis. The number, if you'd like to jump on, we'll get your calls to air. 1-300-736-736, the open line number. 1-300-736-736, you call, you get on. That's the Midday Mattis promise, and we'll take your calls all the way up to the end of Midday Mattis at 2 o'clock, and then another big hour still to come. We'll talk some basketball after 2 o'clock. We'll talk a little bit more of draft as well, given that there is part two of the draft tonight. So that to come... After two, Dean Vickerman, coach of Melbourne United, to join us after two o'clock. And they're flying at the moment. Melbourne United, top of the pops there, 10 and 2. I think the next best team, Sydney, is about 7 and 4. So they're three wins ahead of Sydney. There's a little fever break at the moment for international basketball, which sort of hurts the NBL a bit because there's actually no games being played during the fever break. But Melbourne United back with. A couple of home games in the next couple of Sundays if you wanted to get along. They've got a membership deal at the moment. They play Cairns at John Kane Arena uh, Sunday, December 3. That's a 2 o'clock tip-off. And then Brisbane at John Kane Arena Sunday, 2 o'clock tip-off, December 7. So uh, we'll have a chat to Dean Vickerman in the next hour. But your calls, 1-300-736-736 is the number. If you'd like to join me, there's uh, a lot of people who don't like me giving you NFL scores. So if you don't want the NFL score, you better... Turn your dial down right now because I'm about to give you the halftime score between Kansas City and Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, might be a Super Bowl preview. They played in last year's Super Bowl, these two teams. So it's a massive game between these two. And it's the Taylor Swift headline game, Taylor Swift Cup, if you like. Uh, she's from Philly, but she's changed to Kansas City because of Travis Kelsey. So there's been a lot of... How many times is... I think they might even be betting on it. How many times is Taylor Swift going to be shown during the coverage? Halftime, Chiefs lead 17 to the Eagles 7. So there's the halftime score on that. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. if you'd like to join me. A couple of texts coming through on Ted Hopkins and Tony DeBolfo. Tony the Beast, great man. He is a great man of footy. Tony DeBolfo, what a pleasure it is to have had him on my show. G'day, Dwayne. Oh, one here on my theme on the way back from the break. Pipe. Just spoke to a bloke on the job site who said he stopped listening to you because your theme song this year annoys the crap out of him. Ha ha. I told him I'm pretty sure you're changing it. That's from Matt. Yeah, we are changing it. So uh, if you're out there and you hate the theme song, we're going to get a new one fired up for next year. Um, and uh, we'll get that done pretty quick if A-Rod can get onto it. Uh, Alex in Hawthorne East. Welcome to you, Alex. Are you there, Alex? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm here, mate. Just a little bit delay in connecting. Uh, I just wanted your thoughts on Levi Casbolt and what his position's going to be at the Suns. I reckon uh, his big body's going to be invaluable the next couple of years with these developing forwards. It is, and it hopefully is as a backup as well, Alex. I mean, maybe a child couldn't get a game this year for the Gold Coast, and I can see a world maybe where the Gold Coast are that good in a year or two's time or a year's time when Levi can't get a game. That would be the perfect world in a way, wouldn't it, even though he had a great last couple of years? 
Yeah, well, I mean, he's turning 33, or maybe he's 33 already, and he's got a good uh, five years, hasn't he, had a, uh, since since he's left Carlton up there. I reckon he's done a fabulous job uh, for, for the Suns, and uh, another year helping those young guys develop would be a great outcome for both him and, and the team, I reckon. Yeah, I think he's going to be big for the next year, and I, I maybe there will come a time late next year where he isn't quite as important as he has been the last couple of years. I think he's only signed a one-year extension anyway for 2024. So, But uh, you still need good backups. And he's the kind of guy that maybe they keep at the club on another one-year deal in 2025, even though they might not think he gets a game in 2025. But a good call on that, Alex. And he has been a great asset for them. Uh, another one here on the text, by the way. Uh, G'day, Dwayne. One of the best calls of the year from Bill speaking of the Gold Coast. Sensational first-hand intel on how big our game is becoming up there and I hope his son makes it to the big time and plays AFL footy Jack in Chernside Park. Yeah, it was great to have his calls. We'll continue to take your calls. Uh, quick break with Midday Madness, of course, and Dwayne's World, brought to you by Flight Centre's Big Red Sale, which is on now with limited time offers on flights, cruises, holidays and tours. Book now to save big with Flight Centre's Big Red Sale on now. And again, I did fly and have my holiday organised through the team at Flight Centre, and they did a ripper job. A couple of people like the theme song. Dwayne loved the intro song. It's a banger. Cheers, John Joe. Thanks for that. Another one here. I love the current Dwayne's World theme music. It makes me dance every time I hear it when I'm walking around the house. Uh, cheers, Mick and Ken. So uh, thanks to you for your support on it. Paul in Port Melbourne. Welcome to you, Paul. Hey, Dwayne. How are you, mate? Good to have you on. Thank you. Um... Just calling up about the uh, all the boys that went to the Gold Coast. Um, now I understand that one, you know, a few of them start out down here in Victoria, but they make their way up there. But um, a lot of support to the program that they're building up there, and um, I think as a Victorian, we're very quick to jump on um, the NRL and say that AFL is better and we want to promote our game. And I think that. What the academies are doing up there is fantastic, and what Bill was talking about before is just um, encapsulate what they are succeeding in up there. And I think the problem from um, a Victorian or any other state is how do you even it up and make sure that it's fair? And clearly, these players that are going in first round are going to be paid pretty well in the next few years, and um, all the conversations around pick purchasing. Moving or moving around salary caps to help you get up the order, I think, is a, a way to straighten that out, and it might um, make things a little bit more um, fair across the board. Just interested in your thoughts. Yeah, well, I don't think it's unfair at the moment. The Gold Coast they haven't played finals in ten years, so we should start getting worried when they've won two flags in a row. Right now, we just need them to be competitive. We need them to get crowds. Uh, we need them to be big blockbuster games on TV as well, so we can put them on Friday nights and. This is all going to help in that direction. Always great to have your company for Dwayne's Well, Thanks to all of you who took the time to dial the number for Midday Madness back for two hours of Midday Madness tomorrow. You call, you get on. That's the Midday Madness promise, and we'll take your calls and take your texts tomorrow. Can't wait for tomorrow's Midday Madness after what's going to be a big second half of the draft tonight. Speaking of which, James Pitcher, player manager with Bravo Management and part of SEN's draft coverage tonight from 7pm. Thanks to Tyre Power, number one in the tyres draft has been good enough to join me to talk not just about last night but about what might happen tonight. Welcome to you, James. Great to have you on. Thanks, Dwayne. Pleasure to be here. What did you make of last night? 
Yeah, interesting night. I think the um, bang in the room, that the first probably six to seven picks worked out how we thought it would in the, in that particular order. And then I think there was a you know, number of, of online trades and, and bids that started to occur, which really threw the um, the order out. And it, it actually created some, some really good environment and atmosphere in the building. So did you think, do you think Geelong wanted Daniel Curtin? Adelaide traded up to get him. Do you think a number of clubs were wanting him and that's why Adelaide decided to trade up to get him as the, the first big surprise at pick eight? There, there, there was. There was a lot of talk about clubs trying to get up as soon as Curtin looked like he was sort of sliding down the order. Um, and we actually uh, thought selfishly, um, looking after James Leake, that when Adelaide did get up to eight, that he might have been in the frame for that pick. But they've, uh, they opted for, for Curtin instead. Were you surprised James dropped to 17? Phoenix Goddard was the guy that I thought was in the spot where I thought the Giants were going to take James Leake, and yet they got him eventually anyway. The Giants and took Phoenix at pick 12. How did that unfold? Well, it's there. There were a few nervous moments sitting with James and the family. I think James was pretty cool throughout the night, and you know we had to remind ourselves that we're there for a reason because he was definitely in the frame for a number of clubs, but... You, as I said before, when when we got to sort of pick seven with Windsor, we thought oh, everything's going to plan. Um, and then obviously Adelaide got up into eight and took Curtin, and then the Gothard one. Uh, I suppose that's when um, James and I were looking at each other, going, "Well, this has mm. just got uh, even more intriguing." So why did the Giants grab Phoenix there when they they probably could have got him at pick seventeen anyway? Why and leave James Leake vulnerable if they wanted him as well? Well, there was there was talk that. Um, that Gothard might have um, had some interest from Melbourne um, and also Sydney, so they've tried to jump up the order to, to grab him, and they've and they've run the risk with with Leakey, and uh, and it's worked out really well for them. They've they've ended up with the two players they really wanted. Yeah, well, it, that's the strange part about it, I suppose. We never really can predict it. Uh, Essendon obviously knew that someone else was interested in Nate Caddy, so traded up to get him. Yeah, that, they were they were heavily linked to to Nate. Uh, going into the night, I think he's you know Adrian Doro's a, a really big fan of the way he goes about his footy. So when when Essendon got up, um, and, and again it was probably another club that had shown interest in James Leap, but when they got up to to pick ten, we we felt pretty confident that they were going to go with Nate instead. Mm. So tonight, what do you think will happen tonight? It's it's going to be an interesting night, Dwayne. I, obviously, we had the twenty nine picks last night. I, I'm only really anticipating we'll have a a number of 25 or 30 picks to go. And, you know, going through the board with a lot of those names that have been left on from last night, there's some great talent still out there that's, that remains available. So, you know, without going through the, the entire list of, um, of names I've put together, but, you know, Logan Morris from the Western Jets and, and Archer Reed from Gippsland and Archie Roberts from, from Sandy, um, as well as, you know, Ari Schoenmakers from Taz, there's... Mm. Um, there's some great talent still available that, that I'm sure clubs are going to swoop on. But, but list spots are tight. So there may only be another 25 or 30 picks for these kids to get an opportunity. So where does that leave us then with what's going to happen pre-season draft and or maybe mid-season as well? Yeah, well, I think we'll see later on tonight, we'll see a lot of passing on picks from clubs uh, in order to keep a spot open for the SSP or, or mid-season period. And I think that's a good lesson for for some of these guys and we'll have some guys tonight that we hope that get opportunities. But, you know, unlike previously prior to the SSP and mid season uh, draft, if, you know, if you missed out tonight and tomorrow in the rookie draft, you have to wait 12 months. But the beauty now with the system is that you might get invited to train in a couple of weeks 
by an AFL club and get to put your best foot forward. Or it may be that you've just got to have a really good start to next season and, and your name may be called out by a club. So your role as manager last night, you had to sit with James Leake and, and sort of make sure that he realised that he was going to get taken eventually, not to get too worried, even though it didn't sound he was that worried. Your role last night, you had uh, Harry, well, tell me how to say it. Is it Dimitia or Dimatia? No, it's, it's Dimitia. I had it right the first time, Dwayne. So um, I have fallen in the camp of Dimatia a few times after, right. after hearing a number, number of people exp- um, pronounce it that way, but it's Dimitia. So... For us last night, Dwayne, it's um, it's really just been there and, and enjoying the fruits of obviously James's hard work, not only in the last twelve months but the last few years. And yeah, of course, when the order or the, you know some names started to jump ahead of us, there was probably in my own mind a um, a time for concern. But James played it very cool throughout it, and it was a great, as I said, it was a great environment to have. You know, there was a heap of obviously Tasmanian people in the in the room with uh, Cole McKercher and Riley Sanders and. We're all located in the same area where there was mutual friends having a great time, and they really got to celebrate, um, you know, what these what their peers have done, um, and you know, Nan and Pop and, and all the rest were there were, were there to enjoy. Did you like the club rooms style of event, the Aussie kind of pub? It was a snapshot of Australian and Australian rules culture, wasn't it? It was. Uh, I must say, it, it it got a bit rowdy halfway through the night. Mm. Um, you know, obviously, and, you know, in James's situation, both Colby and Riley were picked up early and they'd been up on stage and presented with their jumper and, and had their photos taken and done some media and they were back in the room and, you know, all the family and friends were in full flight by the time that James got his name called out. So, yeah, it was in, it, it was a, an interesting night um, and I think it was uh, yeah, the party-like vibe that the AFL were, were aiming for. So you think that they're happy with it getting a little loud and crazy? Well, I would have been interested to to look back on the coverage from home, but mm. um, it, at times it, it it did it was hard to I suppose uh, keep track of what was actually going on because some people it felt like the night was over their their mm. friend or son had been picked whilst the others were were waiting anxiously. So um, I think it depends on yeah when your name was called out and how how much you enjoyed it. Harry Demetia got a nickname for us, so we had a few options earlier on. Well, no, we've just been running with H, so I'd be interested okay. to see what listeners um, uh, have got in mind for him. But I was to, uh, to land at the you know the reigning premiers in a club like Collingwood mm. um, was an amazing uh, outcome for him. He was probably one that was a little unlucky not to be invited on the night, um, and, and looking at a number of those clubs that picked ahead of Collingwood, he was probably pretty lucky to get through to their pick. So. Mm. They uh they had a meeting with him on on Sunday and said, look, if you are uh, fortunate enough to get through to our pick, we're going to you know strongly consider consider you as as taking you. Hazmat was thrown up for Harry. Hazmat Dimitir. Hazmat Harry well, Dimitir. He's uh I've noticed his Instagram is Hasbolt, and I suppose it goes okay. uh, hand in hand with the the way he plays the game and his athleticism and speed. So, I presume James Leake's got one. Well, I think Gary Lyon uh, went with one on uh, on Breakfast Radio, which I'm not sure right. if I can uh, repeat. But um, no, he just <laughs> he just uh, he just goes by Leaky. So they're, they're they're swimming between the flags, both of the boys at this stage. All right, uh, we'll keep an eye on that. See how that evolves. Hey, good luck with the coverage tonight, and uh, looking forward to hearing it on SEN. Fantastic, thanks, Dwayne. James Pitcher, player manager with Bravo Management and part of SEN's draft coverage tonight from seven pm. Joining us, thanks to Tire Power, number one in the tyres draft. 
Always great to have your calls and your texts coming through. Keep your texts coming through on that text number 0433981116. That text brought to us by 40 Winks and Temper. And if you haven't checked out the Temper range, make sure you do. Check it out online or in store, T-E-M-P-U-R. Uh, they're at 40 Winks. If you've got a local 40 Winks, you can drop down. Do have a lay. They are mattresses and pillows like no other. Melbourne United is having a season kind of like no other. They're top of the pops at the moment. I think they're three wins clear on top. So their coach, Dean Vickerman, should be pretty happy with the way it's all transpiring. And he's been good enough to have a chat. Welcome to you, Dean. Great to have you on. No, thanks for having me. Things are going okay. I know it's early, but 10 and 2. Things are looking okay. Yeah, you know, you go back to the start of the season and, you know, Joel Cool goes down and, um, you know, a couple of other little injuries and concussions and different things. And, you know, can you, can you cover, um, you know, the losses of some key players and, um, you know, we'll put a squad together this year that's shown that they are capable of, of covering people going down and, yeah, we're starting to play some good basketball. So speaking of going down, how far is Matthew Delavidova away from returning? Yeah, got through full practice today. Um, that was his first five on five and, and we've got a bit of an interclub scrimmage tomorrow, and so that'll get him down, get him going in the full court. And um, yeah, so by the time we come out of the fever window, he should be great. Um, you know, we start Ian Clark a little bit later in the week, and then Friday I think he gets his first team session, and hopefully gets a, a full week into into the game against Cairns. Yeah, great news. The um, well, the fever bake's a bit weird because there's no fever games at the moment, so you've got a weekend off that you kind of don't need, or are you happy to have it? I think for us, you know, definitely having these couple of injuries and, and you know, even some guys that have, you know, had to probably log uh, even more minutes than um, than we'd hoped for, that just catching a little break uh, for their bodies is, is good for us, I think. You're doing a fairly hard training block, though, I understand, even though you're getting those guys through? Yeah, you know, a bit of inter-club scrimmage tomorrow and um, this week's not, not massive, but... And you know, and we'll give them the weekend off, okay. and yeah, get back into uh, to next week, and and just have a regular week of practice. So you beat the Kings one hundred five ninety three. They're second on the ladder. So I mean, you did have a poor second quarter. You let them score thirty one and only seventeen yourself. But boy, you finished strong. Yeah, and we haven't had too many forty point quarters, um, you know, in my time at United, and so uh, to do that. You know, at a pretty pivotal moment. You know, we we're, we we're good in the in the third quarter as well. But uh, you know, just to close out a game, um, you know, I've, I didn't make a sub in the fourth quarter. We had three timeouts, and we uh, and the and the group on the floor was was doing really well. So, um, you know, Flynn Cameron was a part of that. But you know, Chris Golding and and Luke Travers especially were, were amazing in that second half. So some of you, the usual suspects are kind of well. Luke Travers is having a great season. We know that or having a great couple of games. We know that he's got what it takes and he might not be in the NBL forever. 18 points, 12 rebounds. So his game's developed pretty well this season for you as well? Yeah, no, Luke's been outstanding, you know, just coming off that week of concussion and he actually didn't score in the first half. So you got the, you know, all of those 18 points in the in the, in the second half. And um, yeah, we really challenged him about the rebounding. It's an area that we think he can, um, you know, be one of the best in the league at his position, and uh, he did that well. So, um, you know, we just we continue to see his stocks rise, and, you know, if he can put a full 40 minutes together of, of that kind of second half, it would be pretty amazing. And it's silly to think Chris Golding's getting better, but he's getting better. He's 35 points 
Well, 8 of 15 from three-point. I think he's overall, uh, what's he scored? 25 of 58 from outside the three-point arc in the last four games or something. Yeah, no, he's been been incredible. And, um, you know, with Ian Clark out and, and Delhi out, we've, we've, we've certainly put a lot more load into him in, in what he's required to do for us. But, um, you know, making seven and eight, made three pointers in the last two games and shooting at them at a good percentage and especially when we were um, struggling a little bit the other night he was the guy that you know really stepped up and, and made big shots and closed out the game so yeah he's been phenomenal and um, yeah I hope it continues the whole year and JLA 17 points 8 rebounds you've also got him on track yeah no he's playing really well and um, yeah probably had some post catches in the first half that he he would like back just to go drop them in the hole, and um, but yeah, I thought he was really efficient in the second half with it, with his looks, and um, you know, Kings are a little bit of a different style of play. They switch everything, and um, it takes a little bit to get used to, and, and we found a rhythm in the second half, and, and JLA was a big part of that, and the way he protected the rim, rebounded, and was efficient offensively. So how much do you spend time now doing what, doing what you do so well and making it better? You've got Ken's Sunday week, December 3, 2 o'clock tip-off, by the way. If you're a fan of basketball and want to watch the best team in the comp, you can go and watch Melbourne United play Cairns at, uh, at John Kane Arena Sunday, December 3. And you can go and watch against Brisbane Sunday, December 10, another home game for Melbourne United. Do you just concentrate now on what you do or are you still looking at, at picking other teams apart? Because you kind of now know who's going to be up the top end of the ladder come the end of the season. Yeah, you know, we were still um, two games away from the the midpoint of the season and we've kind of got these next two games to, um, you know, try and get to where we want to get to at mid-year and then we'll continue to evaluate. But, yeah, more about the styles of play. You know, um, you know, Cairns right now, again, like Sydney, we'll switch a lot of things and so how's our offensive structure go against that? So we'll work on that over the next couple of weeks and, and then there's some different teams as well. Brisbane and um, other teams have thrown in a bit more zone. And so, yeah, it's just continuing to make sure that you're, you're prepared for whatever comes in the second half of the year. And the question on that's been talked about a lot, Chris Golding, about why he isn't in the NBA and why they don't look at him. And what's the, what's the theory that you've got in your mind that has seen him miss an opportunity or not get taken up when he obviously should have been? Yeah, you know, it's a tough one for me to say why he's not there. I think he's an absolute exceptional player and one of the world's best shooters. And so, um, you know, it only take for one GM to say that's exactly the skill set that I'm looking for. And a lot of the times when we, uh, you know, look to run plays for Chris and, and we and we kind of look look, look at JJ Redick, um, who had a you know a hell of an NBA career as a as a as a shooter and a guy that can use screens really well and. Um, you know, I think that there could have been a, certainly a place in the in the NBA for uh, for what Chris did, similar to JJ Redick, and uh, even the games that we went over there and played. You know, he got injured against Philadelphia, but I think he had 15 at the half, and you know, showed that he could do it on that stage. And one lateral question: I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but let's talk about expansion. Is Victoria big enough for another team? If it was down Geelong Way, or do you think they're they're looking at a uh, outside of Sydney, what are your thoughts on where the next team might be best fitted? Yeah, I'm not sure. You know, I know there's obviously been some interest in Darwin and Gold Coast, and you know where we've had our 
past couple of pre-season tournaments and, um, you know, Tasmania's obviously the model that everyone looks at right now and how successful, you know, that franchise has been and with both their performance and their attendance. Um, yeah, you know, I worked in Geelong for a few years as well and saw the, the end of the Supercats and the birth of the um, NBL One team down there and, you know, they're passionate about their basketball and, um, so, yeah, you know, I think Geelong or, or regional Victoria uh, has the capability of, of having a team as well. But, yeah, I think they're going to make sure they do it right and there's great facilities and, you know, league's going from strength to strength. So, um, yeah, expansion something that I think over time it will continue to happen. Yeah, because Larry Kesselman kind of told the world, if you don't have a stadium that's up to scratch, then we're not coming. So the arena in Geelong's probably not up to scratch, is it? No, I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think, you know, too many of the expansion places um, do have an arena that's, um, you know, up to up to NBL standards right now. So when you think of building something, you're probably talking about a couple of years away from, from expansion. Dean, great to have you on. Really appreciate your time and always love talking to you, love talking basketball with you in general and you're flying at the moment. Let's hope you keep on keeping on and I'll see you. Well, I'll be there December 10 for the game against Brisbane. So, uh Let's hope you turn it on that day and bring the whole family down for a look. Uh, we'll talk soon. No, I appreciate it. Thank you. Dean Vickerman joining us, Melbourne United coach, and you can watch every game of the Hungry Jacks NBL on ESPN. And speaking about expansion, just in the... Well, Auckland's been awarded an A-League licence and will start competing in the A-League men's from next season and then the A-League women's from 2025-26. So Auckland joins Wellington as New Zealand's second team in the league. So expansion on everyone's agenda, NBL's agenda, and the A-League have just announced that. Lost in the wash, what's been lost? Haven't got to it by now, but should have. one 300 open line brought to us by Werribee Kia, Werribee Kia, Water National Kia, car dealer of the year, Werribee Kia, where the customer comes first, lost in the wash. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. I won't let this NFL game, this big NFL game, being played at the moment, get lost in the wash. But I do want to give you a warning, given that it's the biggest game in the NFL for the year: Kansas City Chiefs, Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, the two main contenders this year played in the Super Bowl last year. It's the Taylor Swift Cup they're playing for, and uh, it's uh, look away now if you don't want to know the score: seventeen fourteen with a quarter to play. So the Kansas City Chiefs. Lead the Eagles 17-14. A lot of texts have come through saying, welcome back. One here from Laura. Welcome back, Dwayne. Couldn't bring myself to call whilst you were gone. Go, sons. Thanks for that. Uh, Laura, Julian DeStoop did a ripper job. And uh, thanks to all those people who called Julian whilst whilst I was away. And thanks to all the people who came up to me. I had a couple of people come up to me whilst I was away and said, hello, I'm such and such. And I listened to... Midday Madison, I listened to Dwayne's Wood. I had someone come up to me in the main street of Palermo and have a chat, which was great. Uh, again, my level of fame is such that it's fun when you come up and say hello or yell out, hey, pipe. Um, I don't get mobbed like the Dermot Brereton's of the world. Uh, my level of fame is kind of fun level. One or two people come up every now and then and say hello. So if you do see me anywhere, make sure you do come up and say hello in one of uh, the pubs or clubs if you see me around at a piano bar. Um, I was actually at a drag show on Sunday and someone came up to me at Torquay, at uh, Blackman's Brewery at Torquay, and we had a chat and uh, uh, he had a frothy. I just had a lemonade. So, yeah, make sure you say hello. 
couple of texts coming through saying why haven't I talked more about the holiday. Um, I do. I would like. I would have a chat to you about the holiday, but it's a bit boring for some people. I did stay in a couple of amazing places, and I will actually later this week talk about some of the craziest stuff that I saw whilst I was away. I stayed in some pretty good hotels, one including the, the San Domenico Palace in Tormina, which they used for the White Lotus uh, series, and there's photos of it on my Instagram, and my son, who's a singer, as you know, um, was lucky enough to play for the dinner crowd uh, on their famous piano. But there's some bizarre stuff I will get to later in the week, maybe. I stayed at a place in San, called the Santa Catarina on the cliff's edge in Amalfi, and we're dining at the restaurants there, and it was night three at the restaurants that we realised every time they brought the menus to us, they brought the menus with the prices to the men, and the women had the menus without the prices. That's just the way they did it over there. They allowed the women to choose their meals without needing to know how much it cost, because that was obviously what the men have to worry about. Um, but some other bizarre stuff happened as well. I'll get to it some other time. Peter and Essendon, you there? Peter, what's been lost in the wash? How are you, Dwayne? Dwayne Good. I've tuned, in a bit, I've tuned in a bit late today. Um, is any word on the on the Tigers who they're going to get, Dwayne? Not yet. Uh, Peter, what do you need? Oh, geez. Uh well, a bit of everything, really. <laughs> um, yeah, don't know who's out there still that they might be interested in. Um, don't know, Dwayne. So there's a bit of talk whether you need an extra defender, Peter. There's a couple of taller defenders still available on the table. Would you like them to go for one of those? Yeah, yeah, that'll probably make sense. I think we're right on the forward line. Um, yeah, probably a back wing. But also, Dwayne, mm. can I mention something else, please, Dwayne? With the yep. women's football, Dwayne. Yep. When they broadcasted Dwayne on Foxtel and Channel 7, etc., why do they continue to show the broadcast a side where the stands are empty? Can they reverse and show where the crowds are to make it a better spectacle, Dwayne? Yeah, it's a good call, Peter. I think we're going to have finals with crowds now anyway. I mean, Geelong's game on the weekend uh, against Melbourne, as I mentioned yesterday, it's probably the best game I've seen of AFLW. It was a ripper game, and we're going to have a chat to... Renee Gehring from the Cats in about 10 minutes' time. So we'll talk more about it. We're not going to have to worry about it too much with the two games coming up this weekend. And I think the rest of the final series will have crowds. But they do need to think about it next year, whether they ask for fans to sit in the outer more often or what they do on some of those grounds that aren't quite as full. Uh, But Icon Park looked fantastic on the weekend, to be honest. So uh, hopefully we'll get more crowds like that in the future. They continue to play like Geelong and Melbourne played on the weekend. The crowds are going to grow big time. But they have been a little low at times this year, you're right. Hey, great to have you call, Peter. We'll talk more about what the Tigers do tomorrow because tonight we'll find out what the Tigers do. Daniel in Adelaide, you there, Daniel? Yeah, hi. How are you? Good. Um, listen, um, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a data freak and I, I wanted to ask you, I know the answer, but hopefully you will too, which team scored the most points in the AFL home and away season at the end of the minor round? Uh, was it Adelaide? Correct, yeah. And missed the finals completely? And missed the finals completely. Not only that, 2,200 points. You know I'm a Crow supporter. Yep. 2,200 points. Uh, Collingwood was next, uh, 100 points less. The top five Crows forwards kicked more than 180 goals. So uh, if you want to benchmark your forward, your, the performance of your forward team... Um, there's a fair 
measuring stick. It also, I think, reflects um, the weakness of the Crows in terms of their defence, uh, which obviously didn't do so well. Um, which, which is why you traded up last night to get the best defender in the draft, Daniel Curtin, essentially. Exactly. Yeah. No. It was. A, I think it was a. It was a great move, because uh, and also you know the the Crows had a very young uh, back line, especially after the major injuries they suffered, and I'm sure they'll be better for uh, another year, um, uh, in the uh, another year's performance. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention briefly is I heard what you had to say about the Geelong Melbourne game in the women's league. Um, look, I I think I'm amazed how well and how quickly uh, there's been enhancement in the quality of football uh, in the women's league. It's just been phenomenal. Um, If I was a Melbourne supporter, I would have been extremely unhappy with their performance in the first half. Um, I don't know whether it was because Long just played all over them uh, or because Melbourne were off, but they were definitely off it seemed to me. And I'd be absolutely ecstatic with Geelong's performance. I don't know if I'd say that it's the best game I've ever seen, but there are some really good games of women fully going around. Uh, and I yeah, think and Adelaide playing a lot of them, Daniel. Well, that's the beauty of the way Adelaide's been playing from the outset since you first got the licence. <laughs> well, um, I think they're well coached and uh, they've been blessed with some uh, pretty good, um, some very good players. So, uh, and, um, you know, whether they make it or not this year, uh, I think they've done a pretty good job with the, uh, with the list they've got. So, um, so yeah, now, yeah, that was... Uh, I'm really impressed with the Women's League. I know some guys don't, uh, can't abide by it, but uh, to me it's uh, fantastic for the game. And I think it's got a long way to go, the speed and... Uh, not only the speed, but the velocity with which they, uh, they play is fantastic. Daniel, great to have you call. And Nord Oval looks great as well when the girls are playing Nord Oval. It just seems like the right kind of size and the right kind of vibe. But Nord Oval, the parade, I was lucky enough to play there a few times. It's always had a great vibe and been a fantastic place to play footy. Um, yeah, the Crows still a genuine contender to win it again this year. We've ticked over 23 and a half minutes in the final term. Lauren Pierce grabs it out of the rock, curls it around. It's a behind. It's a behind. Melbourne trail by five points. Emerson takes the kick in. High ball for the Cats. Melbourne need a mark. They don't get it, but off hands, Mithin feeds a handball to Heath as the siren sounds. Geelong are victorious and progress through to the preliminary final in the most extraordinary semi-final we have seen in the AFLW. Matt Cox calling on SEN. It was the best game of four-quarter AFLW I've seen, but quite a few have corrected me on the text saying there's been better. Uh, it was a ripper. Renee Gehring's been good enough to join us, AFLW star, to talk more about it and talk about what's happening this week because this week's the big one now, given they play the Lions in Brisbane, Brighton Homes Arena, the other preliminary final north and the Crows Sunday at Icon Park. Renee, welcome to you. Great to have you on. Thank you. Great to have a chat. It made me a little bit... Um... The heart was racing again, listening to that commentary um, as it was in the game. It was an intense finish, but um, so, so exciting um, to move into the prelim, as you said. 
your first half was amazing. What was your review like? Was it concentrating on what went right early or what went wrong late? Well, we actually were coming together as a group uh, for training this afternoon. So, um, look, I think we'll just we'll focus on, on the game as a whole, take what we what we need from that in the learning. And um, I suppose, obviously, we think that we're going to come. They're, they're a quality side. And um, I think we'll, we'll celebrate the wins early in terms of getting that scoreboard pressure on and um, the growth as, as a group, I suppose. Everyone playing their role and, and doing what we need to do um, to start as we did. And then, obviously, to hold on and everyone at that back line, um, the way that they were holding their positions and um, doing what they needed to do to, to hold on. As we said, it was very, very close in that, that last little bit there. Uh, but a credit to our team to, to come together and to hold on against what we know was a really great side in Melbourne. Are you not teaching at the moment? You were a teacher with, what, Christian College? So how does it work yeah. for you? You had a year off to have your boy? Yeah, so, yeah, no, I used to work full-time alongside the footy and then, yeah, had Parker May last year and then I decided to extend my maternity leave into this year just to, to spend time with him and then to focus on footy, which has been plenty enough um, to focus on that. Uh, and then, yeah, I'll return to, to school uh, next year upon my retirement from footy. It's exciting times, really, you've got ahead of you in the next couple of weeks and then for the rest of your life now that you've announced it. Retirement, Renee. Just talk me through this week, though. Firstly, Lions in Brisbane. A couple of players in superb form at the moment as well. I don't know where you want to start, but Nina Morrison and Georgia Prasparkas um, just light my eyes up every time I see them play. They are sensational. Oh, aren't they? Um, yeah, look, I, I love playing alongside those two, as I do. Um, I could name every player on mm. our list and, and what they do for our side. Uh, there's the things we see in the Nina Morrisons and the Georgia Pasparkas and Amy McDonald in the, in the middle. And then we, we see our back line and, and then working together as a unit. The Marks and um, contested work back there from, from Claudia Gunjaka and Meg McDonald. And then you look into our forward line and particularly over the last few weeks, what we've been building in there. Um, Jackie Parry on the weekend, I thought was excellent um, in playing her role. Um, Ashley Maloney, week on week, she continually... Um, does what she needs to do and continues to build in her game and I'm, I'm, I'm continually excited for her and what she'll bring in the future only being really fresh to the game of AFL so um, there's plenty of excitement I could talk about so many of my teammates and um, proud watching us all as a group in the development um, that we've had but um, yeah they, they're very good to watch those two Nina had a star of a game on the weekend which was great and I can hear the pride in your voice you're a local as well so it's uh, made it even better for you obviously playing for Geelong you've been there from day one with the Cats yeah look I went for Cats growing up as a kid and um yeah when the opportunity came along I was I was a bit older than some of the girls when they start footy I was 28 uh, when Geelong initially uh, made a VFLW team and then uh coming into our AFLW team in 2019 and very very special to be part of this club I, I am very proud um, to be part of it. I'm very thankful and grateful uh, for the opportunities I've had here, the great people I've met, not just within the club, but through um, the great work that the John Cats does in the community as well. Um, we've got great support crew. Um, our supporters are amazing. On the weekend, they were uh, very, very loud. I definitely felt like we had a few more there than Melbourne, especially in that last quarter. Um, got up and about with the, with the cheering, so that was awesome. They stole you from netball, didn't they? Weren't you, a, you were a superstar netball. Didn't you win three medals for the best player in the whole association in the GFL? Oh, locally, yeah. No, look, I, I love my netball prior to this. I haven't moved too far. I, I'm playing at the Varies, um, which is in the same precinct as GMHBA Stadium here. So I didn't have to go 
too far. I was still going to the same place for training, but um, very, very different games. And um, obviously a big step up in resources and um, the experiences here playing um, for the Dillon Cats. But no, I'll, I'll one day get back to the netball court, that's for sure. But um, yeah, it was definitely, it's been a very, very cool experience and uh, wouldn't change it for the world. What a journey it's been. So very thankful and it's not over yet, which is even better. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let's hope uh, it's not over for uh, at least another week. Renee, great to have you on. Congratulations on your career and uh, good luck with the future beyond this year now that you've announced your retirement. We'll talk soon. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Renee Gehring, Geelong AFLW star, having a chat. Thanks to all of you, by the way, who took the time to dial the number today and send through texts. It's so many texts that I'd love to read out but can't read them all out, obviously, but uh, it's just a joy to have so many of your texts coming through. And it's good to be back with you for Midday Madness, back for Midday Madness tomorrow. And uh, we'll talk more about the AFLW later on in the week with those two games looming, two massive prelim finals. Geelong up against Brisbane, Brighton Homes Arena in Brisbane and North Melbourne hosting the Crows at Icon Park. And I think there's going to be a pretty big crowd at Icon Park as well. Uh, Dwayne is a Cat supporter, so from Cade on last night's draft. I was hoping we would get Curtin. Could you ask your draft expert if there much difference between he and O'Sullivan as they're both key defenders. That's the hard part of this draft. We don't know really until three years into this, these guys' careers as to how good they're going to be. So we all watch and wait to see if those picks last night and the picks tonight end up being the goal we think they are.